we tend to want to change things just for the sake of changing them rather than changing them for the right reasons. Like, right. we want to think to ourselves that we always want to think we're doing things for the right reason. But sometimes it's just, you know, this person isn't used to something, so they think it needs to change, or whatever the case may be. There's a lot to be said for the fact that God uses people in different ways in different places, and sometimes you're in places you cannot help it. Uh, Everything from, believe it or not, there's a guy, he's a TV evangelist named Creflo Dollar, which he gets a lot of flack for preaching on prosperity gospel, but he started his church just... He went ahead and went to a mall and asked the people who ran the the, um, the eating area if he could ha- hold a service there. And he said, yeah. So the next Sunday, he showed up with eight people. And he had a little service. They, he didn't have a piano player. They have, so he didn't, didn't do anything. He just showed up, said a prayer, preached, and left. Yeah. After six weeks, they had so many people that the, they said they couldn't do it anymore because they were causing jams. People couldn't get through the yeah, eater, right. eating the cafeteria to get to any of the stores. Yeah. So... He ends up running out like a school gym, and three years later, he's putting down the money to build a 2,000-seat wow. auditorium. Wow. And the thing is, is like they didn't have music. They didn't have, they, he just had a word from God. Yeah, right, right. And he started speaking that word from God. And then when they found somebody who was willing to play the piano, they had someone play the piano for him. And when they had somebody who was willing to direct the, the music, they right. direct the music. And they just kept giving, God would give them what they needed as they needed it. But they first had to make do with what they had. Until they utilized what they had, where they were, with the situation they were in, they wouldn't get the next thing. And that's what God does for us a lot. Is that he tends to put us in situations, and it's it's a test, but it is also to build your character. So that we know, because yeah. yeah. you're te- when, when you know who you really are when you're under stress, when you're under a test. That's who you really are. You could say a nice thing about somebody, but when everything, you know, goes crazy, do you turn into a mean person who yells and screams? Well, that's who you really are. Yeah. If you turn into a person who cares about others, okay, and, and when things are stressful, when things aren't working right, you're concerned for other people, that's who you really are also. And you can change who you are. You don't have to just be who you are. You can work on yourself over time. You can slowly develop. You know, I, I, had, I was kind of a frustrated child. And it, I developed a very, a very quick wit about me, very sarcastic. But I, after a while, I started to become kind of mean with it. And it was brought to my attention because of something that we, me and my brother were recording and I left the camera run and I made a comment and when I, like a probably about a two minute long diatribe really, and when I heard it back, when I heard myself, I was like, I don't ever want to talk like that again. I don't ever want to catch myself Amen. saying those words, talking to my brother like that because I love my brother more than anything right. in the world. And I never want to catch myself saying those things to him or making him hurting his spirit and making him feel bad. So I, from that point on, it was watch every, everything you say. Yeah. Be as quiet. I mean, and I got to the point where I barely spoke. 
<laughs> because, right. you know, don't, you can't say something nice, don't say anything. I almost didn't speak at all for like three years after that. Because I was, just keep my mouth shut. Just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And the thing is, is one thing it did was it taught me to observe people. And so like to this day, I have this ability. It's kind of, I think it was God, it was God teaching me, giving me a character. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that is this ability to watch people. I can pick something good out about somebody. You could say that person has nothing good about them. This is a scoundrel. They're... You know, they've stolen money yep. from me. Yep. They stole my television set. Yep. You know, they're on drugs or this or that. I'm a terrible person. I have the ability to get, let me watch them for a couple minutes. I'll be able to pick something out good about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to believe that I got that only as a gift from the Spirit. That's right. Because that's how God looks at people. Yeah. We have all this, when he looks down, you know, the, the, the term in Isaiah, filthy rags. He says filthy rags. The best thing we could do is filthy rags. But when he sees us, he sees compassion. He sees something good. He sees something we can do with him. Yeah. And he helps us where we are. Amen. He gives it right where we are. Do something. Just where you're at right now, just, just, just show your character where you are. So with this, we're going to be in Daniel in the third chapter. Daniel in the third chapter. Oops. And this is, the series is referred to as Living in Babylon. And... You know, last week we talked about how do you, the question was how do you how do you deal or live in a culture that that hates God that actively hates God right. doesn't isn't just passive about God but they actually hate God. Well, we, we said the way you do it is that you you simply stay within yourself and you do the best you can. You live the best you can, and you love the best you can. And that's all you can do. Just control yourself, control your ability. Now, that's, that has to do with being humble. However, there's time when you need to have a spine. You need to stand up for yourself. So the issue now for this week is how are we supposed to interact when you're confronted with sin or a sinful culture how are you supposed to react to it because we're reactionary people as beings we see something and we react to it it's everything they have to talk about fight or flight when something happens you either decide you're gonna your body makes a split second decision it's either gonna run or it's gonna stay and fight well we're like that with everything you hear a loud bang what's your first response is it to scream and shout is it to just jump is it to look is it some people, I don't know how they do it, but bang, they don't even flinch. They're just stoic. They're just, <laughs> just standing there. It doesn't even phase them. The thing is, is how are you supposed to deal? Because we all deal with pressures from the outside world every day. Some better than others, some worse than others. But we really do. And we're going to start reading. We're going to read the first seven chapters to begin with. And... Or not seven chapters, seven verses. Ha! I got you. You kind of expected, probably didn't expect us to actually read the first. He reads a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so we're going to read the first seven verses, and then we're just going to interact, and we're going to see what see what has what what we can glean from this text. Because this is Daniel, the the four children, the four boys were brought over 
you know, last week we talked about how that they, they grew, they were respected, they, they were honored for the fact that they, they developed knowledge and, and, and they're very respectful and, and thoughtful in what they said and did. So in chapter 3, verse 1 of Daniel, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather, to get, to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and all rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, the sheriff, and all the rulers of the province had gathered together to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. They stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you, it is, to thee, to thee, to many individuals, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and tongues, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. And whosoever falls not down and worships shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, at the time... When all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, uh, psaltery, or any, all kinds of music of the people, the nations, and the languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. So, we see that this is a very literal interpretation, this is a very literal thing of what we tend to use as like figurative speech. We say, in this world... You know, there are things that want to take us away from God. There are things that we set up as idols. Like, there are people who miss church today so they can go watch a football game. There are people who, I know people who won't go to a Sunday service because they're afraid they won't get home in time for the Sunday night football game. People won't go, go during the World Series. People will skip, you know, a midweek service. They could be there, but they're going to skip it because they don't want to miss the World Series. It has to do with setting up an idol. Some, and an idol is pretty legitimately anything that you put in place that's between or takes away from God. Amen. Anything at all. If you're willing to make this more important than God, then it's an idol of some sort. Now, luckily, we worship and we serve a very compassionate God who isn't really, who, who is, his mercy is, is such that he understands that sometimes you have obligations. You have obligations to family and wives and children. It's where there are times. I mean, I would never tell a person, don't show up, don't, you know, you have to show up to church in spite of the fact that your loved one's in the hospital. In spite of the fact your children have some major event. You, you know what? That is, God put up an order that your family is to be regarded as a part of yourself. So you need to take care of family. You need to be close with family. And so family can become an idol if you make it to where you're willing to miss church because of softball games or whatever, you know, that's going on. But family is one of these things that does kind of get an exception because 
when you're being kind to your wife, you're being kind to your children, your extended family, your brothers and sisters, you are showing God's mercy upon those people, and you're actually encouraging and growing the, the family of God. So, you know, we can't get real stringent on that and say we can't ever miss church because there are reasons. There are legitimate reasons for it that need to be involved. Now, this culture, it was literally a golden statue. In our culture, we all have something different. A bunch of people, you know, worship electronics and the iPhone. They'll stand in line for three days to get an iPhone or something. Other people worship, you know, whatever it is. But the thing is, is we as, as Christians, we're going to come in contact. We can't avoid it. We're going to see it all the time. You can't avoid it. That's the part of why you have to be in the world but not of it. Because you're going to be in it. Unless you remove yourself and you sit in the pew seven days a week, you're going to have to deal with the world. And God expects that, he accepts that, and he gives us principles to help deal with it. So, we're going to continue on from 8 through 18, verse 8 through 18. And we're going to see what happens when you're confronted with a culture that isn't just anti-God, but is putting up idols and wants you to participate. So it says, 8 says, Wherefore, at the time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews, they spoke and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever falls not down and worships that should, he should be cast into the midst of the burning furnace, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they came, brought, when they came, they brought uh, these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do, that you do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast that same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So here he is making a charge. He's saying, you do what the culture tells you, or we will kill you. Mm-hmm. And how God, is your God going to take care of you then? So he says, who, what God's going to take care of you? If you're not going to worship ours, what God? 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Now, careful means to be like full of caution or needing like grace, going, I beg your pardon, sir. They're not going to do that. So he says, we're not going to like begging your pardon to answer you in this matter. 
If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So what they just said is it's basically what's going on here, and a lot of people kind of miss the context, and that is there's a difference in thought here where Nebuchadnezzar's going, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace, and what God's going to protect you then? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go, they go, okay, our God will protect us from the fiery furnace. And if he doesn't, and you throw us in and we die, we're going to heaven, so we win either way. That's literally what they just said. He, said, he goes, he's going to protect us from the flames. That's what we believe. And even if he doesn't, and even if not... He still, he's, it's his, it's him. He, we win because we get to go to heaven and be with our God. Amen. Amen. So either, that's the thing with our culture. We win no matter what they want to do. They want to stone you for something? Great, I'll get to heaven quicker. <laughs> the worst thing they could do is keep me alive. Then I, gotta, then I have to deal with these people. Yeah. You know, I mean, kill me. Let me go to heaven, great. <laughs> and you know what? If it's God's will, I'll survive it. Amen. I'll survive it. It's God's will. Either way, God set up the game to where we shouldn't be afraid of Amen. what it is because we win either way. It's We can't lose. So what do we need to deal with here? When, you're, when you are de dealt with something that wants to pull you away from God, a culture that is a person, something that's there, consider the tone of what they've said. Consider the way that they, they used, they put that tone into play when they were with this person who's trying to force them to compromise. They were assertive, but they were respectful. They didn't even, they didn't even say, you know, well, you think that, no. no. They said, oh, king, the way he wanted to be addressed. They didn't say, you know, what we have things here. We're, you're, they, the laws say we should refer to our president as president, whatever his last name is. You might not like the guy, but you're supposed to. So for that reason, I do, just out of the sense that I don't even like the guy, I didn't vote for the guy, but he's the president, has a position of authority. Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo said, old king over us. They didn't have a problem with the fact that they were put by God under subjection to this pagan king. Well, then neither should we. We're the same. We're no different than them. Amen. We're being put Amen. by God under subjection to this, this, this government. Amen. And as long as the government is not doing the wrong thing or trying to force us to do something that goes against God's will, then we're to follow the government. The government is to be a terror to those who do evil. Well, if, if it starts doing... So then we shouldn't worry about it unless it starts to mess and, and force us to do something that it goes against God. Then we can worry about, okay, well, I can't do that. In this case, this is what this is. They're dissenting from the government, from what it's telling them to do. They're still being respectful. They're still, they're asserting that it's not going to happen. This is what we believe. We stand behind it. But they're still being respectful. They're still doing what was continued from last week, how they, in the first chapter, they were respectful with their captors. 
when the captor said, we want you to do this and this and this, they said, listen, we really don't want to do that. Please just allow us this, this little bit of grace here. And we'll, we promise that we'll, we'll repay you by, you know, being better. And they were able to do it. Same thing here. Now, instead of, in that case, the person was willing to work with them. So they work back. In this case, the person's not willing to work. It's this or else. So they had to have a spine. They had to be assertive and say, no, we're not doing it. We're not. We'll, we'll respect you, you as, as your, your authority position, your authority over us. We're not doing it. Not going to happen. So when you consider what we're trying to accomplish as a church, what are we trying to accomplish? Trying to get people saved. We want to get people into heaven. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can be combative. You can be angry. You can be mad. You can go out. There are people who go out there and yell and scream. You know, you're going to hell out on the corners of the street. I guess they got a. But they're they, they're doing a great job. You also got people who don't do it the other do it the other way. They're like, well, you guys are all fine. We're all going to go to heaven anyways. You don't have to worry about it. That's wrong too. <laughs> Both ways are wrong in my opinion because. The one, you're not showing grace and love. The other one, you're not telling the truth, which is you need Jesus to get to heaven. Yeah. So both ways are a problem. So what do we need to do? We need to, we need to be firm in our beliefs and stand for what we believe, but we need to give grace to the other person, give them the space yeah. they need to let God work on their heart. That's what's going on in this chapter. That's what's going on with, with, with the Babylonians in here is that there are people who are pushing for evil and you have somebody with a short temper and he's going along with it. They, they have resolve. They believe in what they believe, but they're giving room for grace, giving room for God to handle and take care of what's going on. One of the worst things you can do, unfortunately, is guilt and sort of badger people into getting saved or accepting Amen. God. Amen. Because they're usually going to do it just to get you to stop talking. Right. They're not going to do it. They really doesn't become real to them. They have to have an experience. So, like, there's this thing out there. It's called the way of the master. And they go out and they tell people, you know, have you ever lied before? Yes. So that makes you a liar. Have you ever been angry with your brother for no reason? Yes. Oh, that's the same thing as killing, so that means you're a killer. Have you ever, you know, thought, had lustful thoughts? Yeah, that makes you adulterer. So you're a lying, killing, adulterer. Why, don't, why shouldn't you go to hell? And it's like, <laughs> you watch the videos, and even when the people kind of agree, yeah, you know, I'm not that great of a person, they never get saved. They never, why? Because you can't just guilt somebody into the kingdom of God. Yeah. You, that eventually it becomes abusive. You can't just point out people's sure. bad things all the time. Right. If you're in a marriage and that's all you do or all they do is point out the negatives all the time, that's abusive. That's an abusive relationship. If all they do is point out to you that, well, you're this or you're that or you forget this or you're like your dad or something, or you're constantly finding reasons to have fault with them, that's abusive. That really is. And these are things that we need to, you need to stand up. You need to be willing to stand for what you believe and give the other person grace. Even if that's space, you just need to give a little space. Even in the Bible where it talks about like marriages, if you're really having a problem, agree to separate for a period of time. You live in one house and the other person lives in another house for a couple weeks and then come back together and see if you can't figure it out. 
Sometimes space is what you need. A little yeah. bit of grace is what you mm -hmm. need. Absence does, in fact, make your heart grow fonder. That's a little bit of time spent away makes all the difference. So the issue with that is, do I focus on the hypocritical areas in my own life enough to where that when I do make a stand on something, the people don't see me as being a hypocrite? Because if you don't work on yourself at all, if you're just like, well, I'm pretty good. I, I go to church. I do this and that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I got it all together. I, you know, whatever it is, I preach. I preach. But if the people see you doing negative things all the time and you're unrepentant about it, you're not, well, I'm, I'm sinful. That's what I do. Then when you stand up for something, the people are going to go, yeah, right. So what? You don't really believe what you say. If you're going to believe it, you have to, you have to live it. You have to live it to some extent. And again, we're not all going to be perfect, but we do have to just try. You do have to accept it. So there's a part in James, and I'm not going to read it, but basically, because, you know, I'm going to cut this short. But if you, if you read the first chapter of James, James is a great book. It gets a bad rap. But the first chapter of James talks about the fact that God needs people who are doers, not hearers. You can hear all day, but if you never do... What's it going to, what, what does it profit you? If you hear somebody, yeah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And you never put it into your own life. Then what's the point of even hearing it? There's no point. So what God needs is God needs people who are willing to look at themselves and say, you know, I struggle in areas. I need grace. They struggle in areas. They need grace. But when it comes time to stand for things, such as God, such as the kingdom, such as Christ being the only atoning way to heaven. Yeah. We need to stand firm. Yeah. We need to continue to you know, make ourselves something that people in the world know. Because these, these, Isra these Jewish boys here, these Hebrews, the people were able to say, they knew as soon as they set up that, that, I, that, that golden statue... I guarantee you those people who didn't like the fact that they had power knew they're not going to kneel down to that. We know them. We know the way they are. They believe in their God. They're not going to kneel down. And so they just went right to the king. They're not going to kneel down. You know that, don't you? And people are going to be willing to tell on you. <laughs> people are willing to tell. Gossip business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That gossip magazines make billions of dollars every year. Amen. People like to tell. That's right. So what do we have? to do. Well, what we have to do sometimes is go through the fire. We have to just deal with it and go through the fire. Deal with whatever the situation is. So I'm going to read, we're going to read the rest of this, of this chapter and see what's, you know, what's happening, what's going on. So with three, we're going to start in, uh, guess 19. It says, when then was Nebuchadnezzar full of a fury uh, and the form of his visage was changed against a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, uh, meaning, and by the way, what that means is typically he was actually like very stately type of thing. He was so angry, he was literally like seething, like couldn't even compose himself. But so he had changed, it had changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace to seven times more than it was to be heated 
And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound, they bound them, they were still wearing their coats, they had their hosen, I mean their, their, their pants, their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king, king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Meaning they didn't even realize how hot it was, they just ran up and threw them in, and getting close enough to throw them in killed them. Uh, 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, Ben Elim, is what they said, the servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes and governors and captains and kings, counselors, being gathered together, saw that these men, these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had even passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's words, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen. Amen. So what happened? God didn't save them from the fire. He saved them through the fire. Amen. They had to go through it. We want to be brought out. We say, God, just get me out of this. I got to tell you, usually you're in it. You're going to have to let your character shine because you're going to have to go Amen. through it. Amen. But he will save you through it as long as you're willing to go. They could have never been saved through the fire had they not been willing to be thrown into the fire. Amen. And this they did as a righteous. It wasn't because something they did that was wrong. It wasn't that you know, they killed somebody so they needed a thing. No, they did the right thing and because the culture was against them, it tried to punish them and therefore... The trueness of God, the trueness of the Most High, the real living God, got to show himself manifest because of these boys. Yeah, yeah. That's all he wants. He wants us to allow him to manifest his goodness to the world around us yeah. by the way we are. Yeah. If we don't have a spine for God, then, then God can't use us. Right. If we don't do the right thing, because 
It's only as we pass through the fire that the rest of the world will see us and know that the grace and goodness of God is upon us. It's the only way that it works. Now, the problem is a lot of times we get caught up in these legalistic issues of saying, oh, well, this person does this and this person does that and they drink or this. God sorts that stuff out. If you notice, again, when James talks, he says the fact that you don't, the reason why people who are true believers in God always have something that shows they're a true believer of God, something about their life. Even if they were living their whole life terrible and all of a sudden they, they made a change and they started slowly working their way back. But they didn't have a long life. They just had a short life. And in the last couple of months or the last couple of years, you could see a change. That's the fruit. That change that people got to, that was their fruit. They didn't get very far, but people saw that. People saw this person was headed to hell, and they had a change, and now they were different. And they'd say, you know, that's, that's really something. I mean, they didn't, sure, maybe they still had a drinking problem. Sure, maybe they still had a smoking problem. Sure, maybe they still cursed. Sure, maybe they still went to the wrong nightclubs or something. But they, you can see there was a difference about them from the beginning to the end. That's God's light shining through them. If there wasn't cracks, the light would never be able to shine through. So, and this is just something I want to point out, just in the sense that we as Christians, again, we could actually solve every problem in the world if we, all the people who claim to believe in God, wanted to. Think about this. If all the Christians... For just a year, if we quit looking at porn, smoking weed, doing, you know, premarital sex, adulteries, believe it or not, adultery is rampant in the church, very rampant in the church. If we would make sure we deal honestly in our business proceedings with people, we don't try to rip people off, don't try to pay what's needed, be honest about things. If, If every person would foster, uh, if one, every church would have one family that would foster a, a, a child that's in, that needs a family, needs adopted. As a matter of fact, there's 135,000 foster children or children that need a family in the, world, in the United States of America. There's 300,000 churches. So if just one out of every three churches had one family that would take one kid, we would eradicate the issue of children not having fathers and children not having people to raise them. These are things that the church, we should want to do. We should push and strive for these things. If we did it for just a year, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference between that this was what America used to be and this is what it is now. Things would just change. I mean, in one year, the world would change. We can feed. If the people in the United States that are Christians... If we said, you know what, we're just going to give up one meal a week and take the money we'd normally spend and do it to buy food for people who don't have it, we would literally be able to feed the entire, every person who's hungry in the entire world. Just the people in America, if you miss one meal a week. One meal a week, we could feed the whole world. Because we waste so much food. We have so much money here in America. These are things that... Of course, it's wishing, it's dreaming that you can do these things. We would do these things. But there are things to set out for. There are family. I, have, I know a friend, Steve, uh, Scott Markham, who adopted this dear little girl. And, 
And it has just lightened up him and his wife's life. His wife wasn't able to have kids. Since she's come into their life, it's been, they're different people. They're completely different people than they were. These are the sorts of things that if we as a church, as a as body of believers, did and we stood for, and we said, you know what? We're not going to stand here another moment if there's another person that doesn't have a jacket outside. Or there's a kid who has to go without shoes. Or whatever the thing. We said, we're not going to, no. Even again, if I have to give up a meal for it, I could give up a lot of meals for it and I wouldn't miss them. <laughs> I really wouldn't. And it's something that we, we as a people of God just need to get serious with how we interact with society because that's how we show God. We, if they just see how we're living, we, we can live a better life than the rest of the world can because we got the key. We got the secret to all happiness. The Holy Spirit's living inside of us. We can use this. We've got a book that tells us everything we need to know. We have the keys to happiness, to success, to life in this world. And the culture may hate us for it, but the better we live, the more we stand for our principles, and the more that we make sure that we say, you know what, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to do the right thing. The more people would see God because of us. They would just see it. They would feel it. You don't become a better person because of any other reason about, you know, you don't do, well, well, you're a Christian, so you're supposed to be a good person. Yeah. The reason why, if you're truly saved, you have some sort of work or fruit as because the Holy Spirit is doing it through you Amen. and you're letting him work. Just let him work. Amen. He'll do it. Just Amen. let him work. They Shadrach, Meshach, they didn't have to do anything. Amen. They just had to stand. As a matter of fact, they didn't kneel. If they would have knelt down, it would have all went away. They didn't kneel. They just stood there, strong, believing in God. So the thing to consider and to think about for this as we go on is that in the worst times, when you're in a culture that is going to confront you every day with, with things that try to change you, just stand for what you believe. Even if you stand and you're shaking, if you're the only person standing and you're shaking because it's nervous as can be, all you got to do is stand. Amen. That's all there is to it. Amen. And God will take care of the rest. Amen. But again, he's not going to save you from the fire. He very easily might have to save you through the fire. Amen. And that's our word for the week. And if we'll buy our heads today, we'll be, we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this passage that shows a fundamental truth that is you will take care of it yourself. We just have to get out of the way and let you shine. Lord, may we, as we go through our lives, learn more and more how to live in your spirit, to dwell in your grace and your glory, and that we will just be able to be a shining example that the world wants to know why we're different, what it is we have, and why it is that we stand for the things we stand for. May we continue to be the people that that you have called us to be and may we continue to learn love grow and we continue to show 
our family, our friends, and the world that you are the greatest thing that they'll ever know. And just help us, again, each and every one of us, as we go throughout this week, every time we face something difficult, help us to show grace. Help us to be courteous. Help us to be respectful. Help us to be strong in you. Ask all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.